0: Now, Pastor Herman kicked off our series on Easter Sunday talking about the life of Peter and how God moved him from being a person who was afraid to a person who is faithful. Fear to faith. And he followed that up last week by talking about how life with Jesus transforms us even when we face life's disruptions. We can listen for God's guidance. When time comes, break camp and move on. This morning, it's a It's really an honor and a privilege to get to bring the word of God to you. Um, And Pastor Herman assigned me a passage that you might not have ever heard of. It's the story of God using Peter to raise Dorcas from the dead in Acts 9. He often says, Pastor Herman does, hurt people hurt people. Today's message is that transformed people transform people. But there's a secret. It only happens in community and in Jesus' community. And then the result is regional transformation. So that's where I'm going today. I invite you to come with me. And I want to invite you now to stand to honor the reading of God's word. Acts 9, 36 to 43. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upper room. The believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please, come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to that upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt, and he prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she up. Sorry, she sat up. He gave her his hand then and helped her up. And then he called in the widows and all the believers and he presented her to them alive. And then the news spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord. You may be seated. God, as I lead us now through this passage, verse by verse. And draw out the implications for our lives. Do the miracle that only you do by your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear. Help us know what you're saying to us. Holy Spirit, come. This is your time. Jesus, come. This is your story. God, come, receive the glory. In your name I pray, amen. So I have a little bit of a different style than Pastor Herman. I like to take a passage and just go through it verse by verse. So if you'll, if you'll be okay with that today, that's what I'm going to do. I'll go verse by verse and then draw out the implications. Verse 36. There was a believer, sometimes called a disciple, in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. and She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. Dorcas reminds me of many people in our community. We have a church full of amazing volunteers. And some of you, most of you women, uh, come to the offices throughout the week and you help us stuff bulletins, you help us write our checks and send them out, you match people into life groups, you pray for us. Our volunteers make Sunday what it is and make our church what it is throughout the whole week. So to all of our Tabithas and all of our Dorcases, and all the people who love and care for the poor in our community, thank you for what you do. Now it says, verse 37, at that time she became ill and died. Clearly, I would not wish that on any of you. But it's striking. In our community, in the last six weeks, five of our key leaders have lost their parents. Two are on our worship team. Two are our life group leaders. One of our staff even lost his mom on Easter afternoon in Taiwan. And as a pastor of our church and as one of our staff, when I hear these things and when we hear these things, we feel for you guys and we pray for you. Because even though you're connected and stuff, this stuff is hard. Um, This stuff is hard. The passage goes on to say, when they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. You know, when you go to the hospital or to a hospice care center and someone's on the brink of death, they're just so careful with the body, aren't they? They don't want to move it too much. You don't want to jostle the body. I think it's because they know it's fragile. But in this passage, it's clear. Dorcas has died. She's passed. So they go ahead and wash the body and put it away. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they they sent two men to beg him, please, come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. Okay, I was very curious to understand the backstory. So I started looking into this. Where was Lydda? Where is Joppa? Why would they have Peter come? So I did some Google mapping, and I figured out, that uh, Joppa was a coastal city and Lydda was a four-and-a-half-hour walk away. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I was looking at Joppa, a coastal city, and Lydda, and even Lydda today is by modern-day um, Ben-Gurion airport in Israel, and I thought, hey, interesting, that's interesting. So I was thinking, okay, how do I make this relevant to us? So I thought, coastal cities, hmm, Pacifica, that's a coastal city. And I thought, we have... People who live in Pacifica, there's a life group in Pacifica. I was like, oh, Pacifica. And I thought, hey, what's four and a half hours away by walking? And I go, oh, San Mateo, by the airport. Huh, that's interesting. And I thought, okay, four and a half hours away. So something had happened in Lida, and they knew in Joppa, and so they said, oh, send him. But then I thought, okay, why bother Peter. Maybe they wanted grief counseling. I thought, oh, you know, when you go through cancer or infertility or you lost someone, you want support. I thought maybe they wanted him to come and support them. But when I did a second and a third and a fourth reading of the text in its context, I read what came right before and I realized right before this, Peter had just healed a paralytic and people were talking about it. The whole region knew. So word had spread, so people knew. Peter did something pretty amazing. Let's call Peter. I think they called Peter because they thought he could raise Dorcas from the dead. So three things I want to point out. The crazy things that Jesus used to do are still happening. The community expects God's going to keep doing them through people like Peter. That's crazy. Okay, here's where... I'm going to give you a personal Peter interlude to tell you why this is significant. For those of you guys who grew up in the church, you know who Peter is. Peter is the rough fisherman who's always speaking up first and sticking his foot in his mouth. Peter is bold and passionate and often in trouble. Peter is like, Jesus, I will do this for you, and then he doesn't. <laughs> but God called, Jesus called Peter the rock, upon which he would build his church. The funny thing is, I am probably the person, Peter is probably the person in the Bible that I connect to the most. I can be bold and passionate and get myself in trouble. My husband actually agrees. Um, so when we found out we were pregnant with a second child, and it was a boy, he said, we're going to name him after you, Tina. We're going to call him Peter. <laughs> I could, so, family picture, to. That's Peter, my little boy. That's John, my sweet husband, and Beatrice, who's very feisty. Beatrice is almost four. Peter's almost two. Um, John and I have been married almost seven years this summer. So, yeah. But John and I named our son Peter not because of who Peter was in the Gospels, but who we knew Peter became in the book of Acts. We named our son Peter because I know who I am right now, But God has taken me on a transformation journey, and I'm not who I was before. Thank you, Jesus. We named our child Peter because Peter became the kind of guy who people would bring sick people near him so that his shadow would fall on them and heal them. Peter was the kind of guy who, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls on the people and he stands up to preach a sermon and it makes sense of everything going on. He interprets the times for the people. That's who Peter became. But he was that rough man before. He is that no longer. Peter has been utterly transformed. When I think about Peter, I think, wow, Jesus was right when he said, I tell you the truth anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father, and in Acts we see Jesus gives us His Holy Spirit, gives His disciples the Holy Spirit. They become apostles, and Peter and all of them are utterly transformed. And then stuff starts happening like crazy. But at this point in the story, let me not get too ahead of myself. Peter's preached, he's taught, he's healed a leper, but he hasn't yet raised the dead. Back to the passage. the room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and the other clothes Dorcas had made for them. I brought a prop today because I thought, what would it be like to have lost someone who, who loves you so well? And I thought, I don't, I don't have people who have made me coats and clothes, but I've had friends who have made me this great scarf and a baby blanket for my daughter, another one for my son, and something just for me. And I just think, my friends who made these for me, they loved me. And these things remind me of their love. And I think about this room and widows, women who have lost their husbands, who are raising kids by themselves, and they are alone, and now they've just lost their best friend. They are overwhelmed But I love that even though Dorcas had died, she was surrounded even then by people who loved her. Somehow, Peter decides he's going to ask everyone to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. And I think when he prayed, he did this. He prayed, he he got down the way you do when you really need God to show up. Not just like this, but like, Jesus, come. So he knelt and he prayed. And then I think he went like this he turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes, she saw Peter, and she sat up. And then he gave her his hand and helped her up. Whereas before, it gives you like the shortest sentence ever. She became ill and died. Here, it's like you get every description. Everything is played out for you. I think the passage is inviting us in to grapple with a miracle and wonder how it happened. How did Peter just raise the dead? Now, when Jesus would do things, it's funny because he didn't always do it the same way. Sometimes he would touch. Sometimes he would speak. Sometimes he would speak but not about the condition, about actually their sin. Sometimes he would heal someone and not even be there in the room. Sometimes he would tell them what to do, the person would go do it, and on the way, they were healed. Jesus didn't usually kneel to pray, actually, in the passages about him. Usually, the one time he did was when he raised Lazarus from the dead, and he says something like, God, raise Lazarus. I am praying so that the crowd will know that you're doing it. (laughs) Only then did he do that. And often, Jesus would put the crowd outside. Actually, he did that when he raised Jairus' daughter to life. He allowed just a few people to stay. The mom, the dad, Peter, James, and John. Why do I tell you all these details? Because this. What the text is saying is, it's not so much the method, the technique, how do you raise the dead. There's no exact formula, how do you heal. It's just that Peter had seen Jesus do it enough had watched him do it enough that he knew the basic moves. Pray, talk to the body, wait for God to show up, then respond. I think that's incredible. God was doing the kinds of things he'd only ever done through Jesus now, through Peter. Hurt people might hurt people, but transform people transform people. Peter now... He's totally transformed, and God is using him to transform another person's life. But I told you at the very beginning that there's a secret ingredient. In some ways, there's a catch. But I don't want you to miss it, but to paint the picture for you, I'm gonna tell you a story. Here's a story. A few weeks ago, I was in Austin, Texas, with a bunch of pastors. There we are. In this group of people, they brought us together because they knew early-career ministry people are prone to burnout and exhaustion, so we needed each other to learn how to not do that and how to live faithfully for God's service for the long term. It was our last retreat. We've gotten together five times in the last 16 months, and because it was our last retreat, we were by this really cool lake where they had paddle boards, and so we said, let's go out and have some fun. So I went paddleboarding for the first time because I got to hang out with this group of people. I mean, I've never done this, don't like extreme sports. It was awesome. So we're out. And at some point I think I'm gonna go back and give my friend a chance. And so I decided to leave the four, the rest of them, and come back on my own. Now but I'm tired, and so I decided I'm gonna kneel on my paddleboard. No, I'm gonna sit down. No, I'm gonna lie down. So I'm lying down on the paddleboard. I kid you not, to look at the sky, and then I heard a hissing sound, and I go, uh-oh, and I turn, and no joke, at like eye level with me is a large male swan, and he is not happy with me. And so I get like this, and he's like, and I'm petrified, and I'm like, hi, swan. <laughs> I, I, I try to cut like, my most maternal voice. <laughs> How are you doing, swan? (laughs) I'm I'm not bothering you, um, but I'm freaked out, you guys. I'm by myself. I don't know what to do. The swan comes towards me, and it starts beating my paddleboard, and I fall off into the water. I screamed three times. And the only reason why people came to get me is because dogs started barking to say, yes, she is in distress. (laughs) Guys, I would never have had that happen. Oh if I hadn't left the group. But I left the group on my own to do a good deed, but I was by myself, defenseless. And you know what happened? So the swan, just so you know, the swan was after me because his mate was sitting on a nest of six eggs and he was very protective. And I was the threat. I tell you this story because many of you, like me, we we easily do life on our own. We go our own way. We leave the group behind. Sometimes it's just hard to stay connected to other people. We work long days at the office. We get into our personal cars. We drive home to private homes. And then we close the blinds so that no one knows we're home. Isolated, lonely, disconnected. Sometimes that's just who we are. I share that story because The story of Dorcas and Peter would never have happened if it wasn't for the disciples sending two mystery men to go get Peter. Dorcas would have just died alone in a room by herself, and Peter would never have known if they hadn't been in the same community of care and support where someone said, she's just died. We need him. Let's go get him and bring him over. Dorcas would have stayed dead. Peter would never have become the leader he became if they weren't for the same community connecting them together. Peter would never have become the person he was if he hadn't been formed and shaped in community with Jesus over time and learned how to do what Jesus did. Dorcas would have died alone if she hadn't actually given her lives to care for women, to make clothes for them, to make a life good for other people. Dorcas would have stayed dead, and Peter would never have been a leader if they weren't in the same community. I would never have gotten hurt if I had stayed with the group, but I would also never have this great story to tell you. (laughs) Transform people can transform people, but only in community and relationship. Why is community the key to personal transformation. Community is the key to personal transformation because you and I change far more by indirection than by individual intention. We make New Year's resolutions, and then three months later we make Lenten commitments, (laughs) and then three months later we need something else. These things don't last because you and I really change by those small, off-the-cuff comments The stories other people tell that lodge in your head. I have changed more in the past six months since taking this job by being around people like Evelyn Powery, who goes to the gym before work. I'm like, huh, maybe I should do that. By being around Pastor Tilden and Mimi, who play really good volleyball. I thought, I love volleyball. I should play more. I have changed more by being in that staff team so that my rough edges have been polished off. I'm a little bit less critical. A little bit more positive than I was seven months ago. Community is a key to transformation. My family has been a part of my transformation. John, the kids, insist that I am a mom and a wife before I'm a pastor. You need to be home. <laughs> We're having dinner. And chasing those guys around, going jogging together, I will run farther and faster than I will on a treadmill by myself in the gym. My mom friends A piece of my community will tell me, Tina, you're not a bad mom. Motherhood is just hard, and you're working. My neighbors will bring me food when they know I've come home late from work and the groceries haven't been bought. Community is a huge key to our change and renewal. We need each other. Community is great, but when you have Jesus community, it's even better. Jesus community... (laughs) Jesus' community will call you to be who they know you are because they can see it in you. Jesus' community will be kinder and less less harsh with you than you are to yourself. Jesus' community will pray for you because they know where you're going. They will speak the truth and love to you that maybe no one else is willing to say. Jesus' community will read the Bible differently with you, and you need that to know more fully God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, and their relationships that they enjoy all the time. Do you have community? Do you have Jesus' community? I mean, I could go on story after story. Even my outfit today is an example of Jesus' community. Ready? Ed Nickerson owns an embroidery shop, and I thought, what am I going to wear? I'm a woman preacher. What do you wear? And I went to his store, and he got me suited up. Now, I'm frugal, and so I was like, I'm going to buy four t-shirts and one top. And when I got there, he goes, Pastor Tina, I knew you needed seven t-shirts and three tops, so I bought you all ten. And I just thought, that is Jesus community. <laughs> Last night, <laughs> I got home and I, from the Single Parents Network event that we had, and I hadn't figured out what to wear for my shoes. And so I sent John out to Target at 9.30, and he bought me these black shoes community in action. <laughs> they went farther and beyond what they needed to do for me. Guys, do you have Jesus community? I mean, I literally could tell you story after story, and because I run our life groups at our church, I have so many stories of beautiful Jesus community in action. But guys, we need a Jesus community to share joys and sorrows, to share the mission, to share meals. To share wisdom, share space, share resources, contacts, knowledge, to share the word. I love that Dorcas had community, Jesus community, that was the first to mourn and wail, the first to go send for help, and the first to hear about it when God showed up in her life. The last line of our passage says, The news spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord. The news spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord. In this chapter of Acts and in the book, there's this pattern. It goes something like this There's a crisis. Community speaks up. God sends help. His fame spreads. Someone's in trouble. People speak up. God sends help. People know about it. It says the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. You know, the crazy thing is I never knew until I studied this passage how closely the Holy Land maps onto the Bay Area. It's actually kind of weird. <laughs> when I was realizing here, so if Lydda is like San Mateo and Joppa is like Pacifica, then Mountain View is like Jerusalem. Isn't that crazy? It's kind of crazy. And when I think about that, I think Jesus is trying to say something to us right now at our church in this time. I think he's saying, right now, you guys are all over this region. What more do I want to do through you? Because we know the gospel started in Israel and then it spread to the Holy Land throughout Europe and then it just went from there. Right now, I think the gospel is spread out right here. This is a map of our life groups. We have life groups, basically people in little groups that meet throughout the week. Um, They read the Bible, they pray, they talk about the sermon, they do life together. We have these little groups all over this region. But it's crazy because it reminds me that we are like the early church. So we literally have groups in San Francisco, Burlingame, San Mateo, Millbrae, Redwood City, Los Altos, Mountain View, Palo Alto, Menlo Park, Santa Clara, Sunnyvale, San Jose, Campbell, North San Jose, South San Jose. We have them in Newark, in Union City, in Fremont, Pleasanton, and Oakland. And I think I'm missing a few. People come right now, our churches, we're all over this region, and I think we're the only church in the Bay where people gather on a Sunday from all over to one central location to worship God and hear the preaching of his word. And I think this is not an accident. I'm not sure what he's trying to do, but I think he's trying to do something. Right now we have people who drive here from Hollister and Hercules. That's north of Berkeley, everyone. We have people in life groups from Pacifica to Pleasanton. Look at the span of that region. What is God trying to do here? I don't know, but I don't think it's an accident. So I know right now we are a little bit concerned about what, where we're going to meet in July and beyond. I don't think Jesus is worried. <laughs> the early church never owned a building. They were always in people's homes, just like our life groups. But they were connected to each other. They knew what was going on in each other's life groups. So when the Pacifica life group and the San Mateo life group, you know, it's like they knew what was going on. Friends, the early church was always a movement, never a building it was always a mission, never an institution. It was always a community, not just a church. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Do you catch me? NBCC, it says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I think that right now, we're at a place where we're, we're in this tension. We, right now, are all over this Bay Area. What does God want to do with that? Just as the broader body of Christ came out to support us three years ago when we formed, they're going to support us again. We'll be okay. So let's not worry about those things, but focus on being Jesus' community together right here, right now, for each other. If you've ever felt frustrated like me and John have at the challenges of life in the Bay Area, the transience, the isolation, the long commutes, the fact that you have a really hard time buying anything here to live in, I mean, this stuff is real. Why has God put us together if not to address those things? When I took this role at NBCC, at I'd visited a handful of times. I knew Pastor Herman was an amazing preacher, and I knew there was really vibrant worship, but I had never met all of you. And frankly, you guys have undone me. I know about, I don't know how many people I know here, but of like the 500 or so of you who are in our 55 life groups, I just think, oh my gosh, I gotta beat the other half. If the rest of you guys were to get in life groups, I just think, this is going to take off. And I just think, we don't know what God's going to do, but it's going to be great. As I close, some of you today are like Dorcas. And frankly, maybe you're in a bit of trouble. Some of you guys are like those disciples. You know, you're not like, you're not Peter, you're not Dorcas, but you're somewhere in the middle, but you are an important part of this community connecting us together. And some of you guys are like, Peter, and it's time for you to step up and be Peter. There's something God's trying to do in you that he can only do through you. And this community is calling on you to lead. Will you live this out? Will you give your time and your energy and your heart to love and serve others? Will you share sorrows, ask for help? Will you respond to requests for help in a timely way? And then when you get there, Pray to God for him to show up. And then do what you've seen Jesus do. And then spread the word. Let's be the Jesus community of transformed people who transform people because we're together. And would we wait and see the regional transformation that comes as a result? As I just close up, I want to say... um, just that it's really a privilege and honor to get to do this. Um, I wanted to do something to help you see kind of what is already happening. And so just for the last two minutes before I close up, I want to show you guys some pictures of what God's already doing. So if you'll start the pictures. The first picture is um, one of our 55 life group leaders. Um, They actually represent... I'm sorry. Okay, this is a picture of the single mom's life group that's formed. Um, It actually... Reminds me of the widows because a lot of the single parents, they're doing life alone. Um, But community has been forming in our life groups. And here's one picture. There's another picture of another single parents group that just formed yesterday um, at the neighborhood park near where I live. Um, This is a great group. There's more to come, I'm sure. Another picture here. This is Singles Life at our church. um, Went on a hike. Um, Singles Life is for anyone, 18 and above. We went bowling. There was a potluck more pictures of the hike. Um, community has been forming at our church, and it's beautiful. Um, there's, a, I think, a few more, and I'll be done. Um, and I just want to finish with one last kind of story, because this is my Singles Life core team, and they were at the 10 o'clock gathering. I didn't share the story, but this team has been so great for me, because they'll say things like, Pastor Tina, that's too much, or maybe we'll do that next year. <laughs> and that's been so good. You and I need... Jesus community like that. Um, and then the last, I think there's a few more. That's our leadership team as well. Um, they, if I could, I would just show you pictures the rest of the day, but I won't. These are some of our life groups. Um, we have 55. This is just a very small cross-section of the community we have. Um, I hope you enjoy seeing your faces and seeing kind of the nature of our, our community. So as I close, if you're not If you're in a life group, you're one of that lucky 513 people, consider inviting someone into your life group. They might need you. If you're not in one, you can check it off on your card and we will help you find one. If you've never read the Bible, um, I think a huge part of Jesus' community is being in the Word together. We're starting these summer Bible studies. You'll hear more next week. If you lead a volunteer team here, consider how to become even more Jesus' community to each other. My prayer for us is that no matter where we are, no matter what we're involved with or not, that we would form true Jesus community for each other and that we would build that together. So let me pray. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the chance to bring before this community one of the best stories ever. Um, Thank you that... You are so committed to us, and you embed us in relationships where we will be formed and shaped and grown. The rock was polished in that gemstone tumbler. Peter became the rock that you meant him to be. And because of that, he could be called upon to raise Dorcas from the dead. And the word just spread. So God, help us become like Peter and be all of who you call us to be. Thank you that it won't happen by just trying harder. It happens just by hanging out with each other and with you. And God, when our region is transformed because of NBCC's faithfulness, God, would you get all the glory? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.